tighten up. You listening to Two Tone Uncensored. One for the Titans, two tone of sensor. Three to get ready, bring pressure like a blitzer. Four hour reports, Brian, Matt, and Glenn give you. Five stay tuned, they gon' be no doubt with it. This for all the fans sitting up in the bleachers. If we ain't there, then we coming through your speakers. Two tone of sensor, aka the teachers. Sit back, relaxing, you'll come up, believe them. Marcus throwing bombs, touch down to receivers. He can chuck it down the field, talking run up for future. TTU number one, get it done on the weekly. Better tighten up, cause we got work to do this season. This is Jim Wyatt from Titans Online, and you're listening to Two Tone Uncensored. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored, the best damn Titans podcast out there. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, my co-hosts, Matt Necron and Glenn Lotz and Heiser. So, Matt and Glenn, this week, when you saw Taylor Lewan get in Sherman's face, how bad did you think it was going to be when you first saw him run up? My first reaction, I was literally screaming no, because I did not need that ejection to happen. But um, watching the replay this morning... It gave me goosebumps, and it's safe to say Taylor Lewan is about that life. Yeah, I'm pretty much going to go right there with Matt. My first thought was, don't get ejected. And then my second thought was, God, I love that he did that, and fuck Richard Sherman. And also, let me just say, Taylor Lewan is my favorite Titan. Right on. That's uh, fair. This might blow your guys' mind a little bit because I'm normally the one that has gotten on Lawan in the past for the stupid penalties, um, and I don't know exactly. Maybe it was just the veracity of it, you know, hitting the quarterback at that kind of speed. But uh, my first thought was fuck him up. Like I didn't even like care about the penalty. I was just like fuck him up. Um, and I'm normally you know exactly the opposite of that. I'm glad he did keep his head, which you know it's shown maturity because. I don't think last year Lawan keeps his cool as much as he did. I, you know, I, I think that he would have caused more problems than he did this week. Um, so Richard Sherman's lucky, that's for sure. But let's let's jump right into it, guys. We have a big show this week. Have a great game that we played this week to cover. Looking forward to a divisional matchup. So let's go with the mailbag here. William Rush with the first question. He asks, Jalston Fowler's been playing pretty good. It is, is it time for him to start seeing more carries? Has he earned them yet? <laughs> He's a fullback, no. Yeah, move on. There's nothing to add. He uh, He's not getting more touches. I mean, you're going to take touches away from Marcus, from DeMarco, and from Henry to give them to Fowler? Give him the flu, Ellen. Bucket. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Give him to me. I mean, give him to Taewon Taylor, too. They keep running him on that end around. That, that, that would make more sense right. to me. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, no, I don't hope he even gets more touches, but I am glad that he's seeing the field more this year. Um, in blocking circumstances, you know, getting in there, getting a little more uh, action than he did last year. So far, you know, we'll see if that holds. But I do like seeing him on the field. He is a good blocker. You know, he does open up a lot of holes. He opened up a you know a huge block on that long run by uh, DeMarco Murray this week. So I like seeing him out there. I just don't know if he should get more touches. You know, this year he's already matched his production from last year. So not many more touches, but I like seeing him on the field. He is a good blocker. He sets a lot of things up for our back. So, you know, that part's nice. But, yeah, we don't need to get him carries over Henry and Murray. Yeah, had the question been, should he see more snaps? That's one thing. Yeah, he definitely needs to be on the field making blocks. 
he doesn't need more touches. Touching the ball is a completely different question than you know snaps on the field. You're absolutely right. Uh, let's move on to the next one here. Uh, Dylan Ray asks, do you think Jayon Brown will start this season? Yeah, I do, actually. I think I'm not sure where he might plug in at, but I think by midseason there will probably be an injury and and he'll be that go-to guy. Um, maybe before the season I would have said, you know, put him in for Woodyard or, or, you know, I actually like him on the outside, but Woodyard would probably be the weak link. But Woodyard played his ass off this past week, so I'm definitely not suggesting we do anything with him. He's definitely stepped up. Yeah, Woodyard's feeling the pressure. and He's playing really well. I, I'm the same spot Matt is on that. Is the only way I see him getting more, get, getting a chance to start the game is if somebody gets hurt. Otherwise, he's starting in his uh, sub package. He's out there on passing downs. First down is not a passing down unless someone comes out in a widespread offense or something like that. That's the only way you're going to see him start is in be on the field on the first defensive snap. It doesn't matter. He's going to be on the field on the third snap on third down whenever we hold somebody there. People worry way too much about being a starter whenever the NFL is almost entirely about sub packages. Yeah, that's a great point, uh, Glenn. It doesn't really matter if he starts or not. Uh, He's playing very well, in his package he's playing very well. He did have one bad play this week, but for the most part, you know, very, very well. uh, Or sorry, but for the most part, he's been playing excellent. You, you are... I don't want to see him start if you have, you know, like Glenn just said, on first downs when you want to stop the run and you want guys in there that are going to be better at that, like Woodyard and, and Williamson. So, you know, I mean, right where he's at is perfect. I like that what, what we're doing. You're definitely seeing a lot better play so far this season out of our linebackers, um, especially against the pass, and that has everything to do with Jayon Brown than we did last year. So right where he's at right now is perfect. You know, down the road – if he gets better against the run, or you know, if we have to move on from one of those guys, you know, and, and like this is barring injury. If an injury happens, they think he moves up. He's the first guy up. But without an injury, you know, why move him? Everything's working perfect. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, in his defense, I don't think many linebackers are making that play with CJ Precise. I mean, it was just a great play by Seattle, and I don't know many linebackers that are going to be able to cover that. No, you're I mean, you're 100 percent right there. Let's move on to the next one here. We got this one in from a lot of different people asking us about our thoughts on this hit that Richard Sherman had against Marcus Mariota. Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but is there anything that you guys want to add to this? No, nah, his his uh, my opinion of him has not changed at all. I mean, he's pretty much he is who we thought he was. So, I mean, it. it I don't know. I mean, I expected more. Why he was still in the game, I'm not quite sure. The first penalty he had after jawing for three minutes after the fact, that to me was enough to get him ejected. I mean, Lawan's done less and, and was booted quicker than he was. So, you know, he, he's the guy that, that will run his mouth continuously, and he uh, he plays that line pretty well. So didn't really change in my opinion of him, just kind of proved where I was with him. Like Mike Med just said, our players have got ejected for less you know, throughout the game than he than what he did in just the first half. So, yeah, he, he should have been booted at some point, but it's all right. He, he played the way we expect him to play. He's always been that guy. That's nothing new. No, yeah, I mean, he, he definitely, um, 
it was a cheap shot. He should have, like you guys said, should have been out of the game, should have been ejected. I 100% agree with that. The one thing I did like out of all of this, besides you know Marcus hopping right back up and being healthy, of course, is that right after that, it became up on third and short, and Marcus went right after him. And it was on a, a short slant. I can't remember two, two who, or sorry, I can't remember exactly who he threw it to. I think it was Matthews. Um, and Richard Sherman ended up making a play on it and stopping. But I like that Marcus went right after him. You know, you could tell that Marcus, you know, wanted to after that that hit. Um, and I like to see him go right after him, not afraid of it. And he, you know, playing into the, um, playing with aggression, but playing smartly with aggression. I like to see that out of Marcus. The best part about after the fact was how Marcus shot right back up after taking that hit. You know, he hit his, hit his head off the ground and, and shot right back up, but everybody reacted to it. Jarrell Casey got in his face. Um, everybody reacted to it. I mean, it, it was great. I thought it was going to go down right then and there. Uh, but on a side note, and this is just something that reminded me, what kind of shoulder pads does, does Michael Bennett wear? It looked like he was not wearing anything. <laughs> I was wondering the same thing at one point in the game. It does look like he's it just looks like he's wearing a jersey like a fan does. Like nothing's under there. Yeah. Uh he's wearing those ultra low pads that you can't grab him as easy. Cheater. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> um yeah, but like Matt, like you were saying, it was neat to see everybody jump immediately um to Marcus's defense. It was awesome to see Luan give him his two cents but not go overboard. Um I liked seeing that out of Luan. You know, shows a little bit of maturity. Definitely should have ended in a in an ejection for Richard Sherman, but um, I would I would definitely pay for that audio. I don't know if it's available or not, but I would pay money to hear it. Yeah, people were asking about it on the mailbag post, and I was like, please, someone have like what he said. I'd really, really be interested to see what he was screaming into Richard Sherman's face right after that hit. All right, guys, that's all we have for the mailbag. Each and every week, we put the mailbag post out on our Facebook at TTU Podcast or just search for Two-Tone Uncensored. On Facebook, we also share in the Tennessee Titans Uncensored Facebook fan page. So if you're a member there, you can also comment on there to get your questions read on air. Let's move right into the next thing here and talk about what happened around the AFC South outside of the Tennessee Titans. Let's start first with the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on Baltimore in London. Jaguars blow them out, 44-7 to win. It was really bad. Flacco didn't even play the fourth quarter. It was a terrible game for the Ravens, uh, and Jacksonville cruises to an easy win. So here's my question, guys. We blew them out last week. They come back and blow out the Ravens. So now with what we've seen with them so far, how worried are you for this second matchup we have with the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up in Week 17? Not at all. The uh, Ravens were paid to take a loss. They're just setting up Jacksonville <laughs> to do a better job, to have a better fan base and a better rapport with the London fans because they're going to move them there in you know, three or four years. They should, man. They fucking they play a lot better there than they do in Florida. Absolutely they do. That's, that's, that's their house, man. They're, they're going to be moving over there. Tottenham, Hotspur, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're going to team them up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you just said, but all right. But no, um... Am I worried about it? No, but I'll say this, you know, every divisional opponent you got to you got to take seriously. You can't overlook anybody whether it be an Andrew Luckless Colts or you know the Jags that we just stomped the shit out of. They're going to play hard. Every no nobody wants to be handled the way Jacksonville was by us last week. Um but 
Baltimore, man, they're not exactly proven yet. I mean, you look at who they were. They were 2-0 and against, what, Cincinnati and Cleveland. So, I don't know, man. I, I'm not sold on Baltimore. Looking at their team, they don't impress me at all. Up and down the roster, there's not one guy that I'm like, wow. Mac, Macklin's trash. Um, who's the other dude? Mike Wallace, he's trash. Terrence West is their running back. I mean, there's really not a lot there. Uh, Jacksonville on paper is the better team. I did not expect it to be that lopsided, but like Glenn just said, man, that's their house. They they came and they they showed up. I like that idea, Glenn. I'm I'm going to be watching out for that. But um, now, I mean, the only thing that really worries me about Jacksonville is we always just seem to play them. Uh, you know, we always split the series. I mean, how many years in a row have we split the series with Jacksonville? That worries me more than what they're than what they're playing right now. It was an impressive win for them, but still, you know, if we come and we play our game, we're still going to shut down the run, put the ball in Bortles' hands like we did last time, and he's going to have to make uh, make moves. And Bortles is not that kind of quarterback. Like, we're going to win the football game. It's not – they don't match up as well as I think we do. And I think Baltimore's defense is a little bit better than given credit for, although they didn't definitely didn't show it this week. Um. But we're gonna. All you have to do is shut down that running game. Once Fournette's down, and you know you're getting him one, two yards a clip. Blake Bortles has to do something, and when he has to do something, he's gonna put points on the board for your defense. So now I'm not really worried about it. I just want to see us get over the hump, almost like you know with the Colts. We haven't beaten the Colts forever. I want to get a win against the Colts, obviously, but I also want to sweep the series against Jacksonville. We're definitely a good enough team to do it. We just have to come out and play that second game, something we haven't done in a while. Well, another thing is though you got to look at it. this is week 17 when we play them. It may not matter. So, That's you know, true. we may we may send Matt Castle out there to see if he can handle the business, but hopefully you know, it hopefully, doesn't matter. Yeah. Hopefully that's the case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good point. All right, guys. So, let's move on to the next game in the AFC South. The Indianapolis Colts took on the um, Cleveland Browns in Indy. Indianapolis went up early, but the Browns fought back, but Colts it still ended up winning 31-28. to Now, guys, Jacoby Brissett played a pretty good game um, for Indianapolis against a weaker Browns team for sure. But does Jacoby Brissett give the Colts some sort of hope that if Luck can get back before too long, they might still have a shot at making a run at the playoffs? No, I don't think that. Um... The Browns and the Colts, uh, that's not exactly playoff material when we're talking about you know measuring teams. I will say this, Brissett is what we pretty much said he was. He's slightly above average. He's not anything great. I don't think that even without Andrew Luck, if, if Andrew Luck was, was to move on from the Colts this season, which is not going to happen, I'm just saying hypothetically, I don't think Brissett's their guy moving forward. I don't think that any team in the league wants him as their starter. That's just kind of what they're dealt right now. Um, we did hear news that Andrew Luck actually did practice today, lightly. Uh, they say between weeks five and seven, and obviously we play them week six uh, for his return. So whether he comes back or not, we'll see. I mean, it's fine. the first thing we finally heard something about him, um, but – I expect to see – they actually said, you know, no matter what their record is at that time, Andrew Luck is coming back. So that's the Colts' front office being the Colts' front office. You know, I, it's a stupid move. I think we all agree with that. But uh, I know Andrew wants to play. I think all players want to play. So they're going to go ahead and keep him happy. But not a smart move in my mind. 
you know, Brissett, he's he's that above average guy that came from the Patriots system. He, he's probably good if he plays the whole season for five, maybe six wins. Andrew Luck comes back. They're being stupid by putting him out there because they're not going to the Super Bowl this year with this team. I've already said that before. The Browns beating the Browns is nothing special. It doesn't tell you anything about this Colts team other than the fact that this on that day they were three points better than the fucking Browns. Right. <laughs> I mean, you guys, you guys definitely aren't wrong here. The looking up their upcoming schedule, you know, they have the Colts. I mean, sorry, they have the Seahawks in Seattle next week. That's a loss I mean, with Jacoby Brissett. I think even with Andrew Luck, that's probably a loss. Um, and then they have the 49ers, which would be that week five. And, you know, Matt just told you five to seven is when we should see him back. But can the Colts beat the 49ers with Jacoby Brissett as their starting quarterback? Like, yeah, I think they can. The 49ers are a pretty bad roster. They're in the same boat as um, Cleveland is. You know, it's definitely not something you would write and, and pin on your schedule right now. But it's definitely a big possibility for them to win that game. But if he doesn't come back after that, they're not – you know, the Colts aren't beating Tennessee in Tennessee – with Jacoby Brissett, um, for sure. They're not going to beat the Jaguars after that. And then you go up to the Bengals when we're talking about week eight, which if it's five to seven, he'll be back by then. So it could get you one win over the next few games until Andrew Luck is back. You know, I think he could get that one win, but you have a lot of losses there. And I agree with you guys. I think they're rushing him back. You're going to see him, and I, and I don't want to see it as much as I don't like the Colts. I want to beat you in your best and not take advantage of your worst. So I don't want to see Andrew Luck go down again. I want him to be to come in to Nashville and for us to beat him, not his own body beat him. Um, but they're rushing him back, I think, and it's going to be a mistake. And, you know, he's, if he gets injured again, it's another big loss. I mean, you're, now you're going to talk about do we rush him back again? Do we, like, set him for next year? I mean, you're, you're you know, there's a bunch of things to talk about. I think – you know, and Glenn said it on the show for months now. Play for the pick and set him for the season. I think that'd be the best move. But they're rushing him back, and it looks likely that we'll end up seeing him in that uh, Monday night matchup. But let's move on, guys. Here, the last game in the AFC South this week: Texans at Patriots. And the Texans almost came very close to pulling off the upset here and beating the Patriots in Foxborough, but did not. And the Patriots win, thirty-six to thirty-three. Watson looked pretty good in this game, although it was against a defense that has been struggling. Does this almost win in Foxborough lift them up in your eyes at all? Not really. I I think Deshaun's going to make his plays here and there, but if you have an experienced defense going against him, you're going to be able to shut him down. He's just not ready for that right now. The Patriots' defense has been suspect for a while now. Now, granted, they won the Super Bowl with that defense, so... You know, take take it for what it is. But um, I'm telling you, man, I watched Deshaun Watson. I see Vince Young. It's kind of scary. But, you know, hopefully <laughs> he doesn't go down that same path. But, um, well, uh, maybe maybe we do hope for that. But uh, he's he's going to get you his few plays a game, and he's going to be average on the stat line. But he's got that winning quality to him. It's just we're talking about a real suspect defense that he's going against. And the reason, you know, you got to remember the Texans were the number one statistical defense last year that Tom Brady had no problem moving the ball down the field, at least on that last drive. I know they struggled for the most part. Now we'll see what happens, but uh, I don't think Deshaun Watson's ready for Dick LeBeau. Let's put it that way. 
honestly, the Patriots didn't do it on the ground like they should have. They wanted to keep that score down. That's kind of what let the Texans keep getting into is they just kept throwing the ball. If you're going to give someone as dynamic as Watson a bunch of you know attempts at it, he's going to make some plays. Patriots defense is so suspect that it doesn't tell me anything about how the Texans are going to play against us because we have a much better defense than they do. Yeah, I agree 100% with what you guys are saying here. You know, Watson is a good young quarterback, and he made some plays against the defense that I don't think is up to snuff, um, just like you guys said. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, is I think that this offense is better than the Texans' offense. I know that's not saying a whole lot, given what we saw last year from the Texans, but this is a better offense. However, that pass defense, to me, I mean, they look porous <laughs> since the loss of a couple guys in their, in their secondary, but... I mean, they definitely took a big step back, or at least it seems so, so far in the season. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to look at last week's game, talk about this game coming up against Houston. We'll be right back. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads, and we'll get right back to the show. Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show, and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necron. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. What up, Two-Tone Nation? It's your boy Morocco, a.k.a. Morakpo, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Tighten up! All right, we're back from that quick commercial break. Thanks for staying tuned here in Two-Tone Uncensored. Let's jump into this last week game, guys. A big win for us. Uh, against, uh, you know what, last year was a very good football team. This year, you know, I mean, we'll talk about it. Uh, but we get a big win over to Seattle at home uh, and, you know, sets us up for the sole leader of the AFC South right now. So it's definitely a very good big win for us. What are some positives you're taking away from this? All of our games so far have started out slow. Now, in this case, I don't think that, is necessarily a bad thing seeing as how it was basically you know a defensive chess match to start out this this game the whole first quarter was punt 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 positives though based off of that we stuck with jacksonville and seattle in both of those games we did not give in we you know we stuck to our game our game plan and obviously you guys see what happens when you know when we do stick to the script um, I don't necessarily look at it as a bad thing at the quote-unquote slow start, when in the past we've been known for that and it's killed us. But in this case, I think you know we stuck to what we believe in and it has panned out. I think we, we need to keep doing that. I did not expect to see the run game quite how it ended up. The DeMarco Murray 75-yard run, to me, looked like slow-motion running. Um, how no one caught him, I'm not sure, but he kind of just kept going and it, it paid off. But um 
I did say last week I thought Rashard Matthews was going to be the receiver that we needed to see step up, and he did. We saw a few guys step up. Marcus did not turn the ball over. It was a great atmosphere. There were a ton of Seahawks fans in Nashville, but the Titans fans showed up. They were loud. Everybody was involved. It was a great atmosphere. It was the first time this season where I actually got to sit down, take in the game for what it was, and it felt like a Week 12 matchup instead of a Week 3 matchup. And uh, it was good to see, man. I think if we build off of that, we're definitely headed in the right direction, and I think that the fans actually stepped up big time in this case. Yeah, there were several things I really liked about this game, one of which was the fans. I think going forward, all games are going to be moved to the 3 p.m. start because that is the best I've ever heard Nissan Stadium. That was amazing how well the fa- the fans were involved, how loud they were from start to finish. That was an incredible atmosphere. So absolutely 3 o'clock starts from now on, whether you like it or not. Can it we was. do that? <laughs> it's it's the rule now. I don't give a fuck. That's, why, that's how this is working from now on. Um, I really liked like Matt said, that we went out there, we went with a game plan of we're going to run the ball, we're going to wear them down. We had a lot more snaps. I think we probably had 20 more snaps uh, from, from our offense compared to theirs. So we had the ball, we wore out their defense, we stuck with our identity, and we, we went out there and we smashed the Seahawks the way Titans football is supposed to be. And then the rest of it just kind of came to you. you. You got your pass plays out of that. You snuck Smith out the backside for a touchdown. Lots of things happen for you whenever you run the ball and you prove to the other team that you, you're going to run it and you can do it. The Seahawks' defense, they collapse too, just like we saw with the uh, the Jaguars. If we go out there and we, we stick with our identity and we pound the rock, we're going to break people. And that's that was the best takeaway was just the Titans are who they were supposed to be at the end of last year. We're at that point now, and it all looks you know bright from here. Some things I took away. Um, first one, uh, Ryan Suckup. It's a guy we don't talk about a lot because you don't really talk about kickers a lot. But he was our first half MVP, and guy keeps that streak alive inside of forty. I mean, he's just—I mean, just reliable. You can set your watch to him. How he kicks those shorter kicks, always, always good. So he played very well. Getting our weapons involved, and Glenn touched on this a little bit. You know, you had John New Smith get a score for the second week in a row, but you also had. Matthews had a really big game. Um, Decker made some really great catches on the sideline for us in this game. Delaney Walker, as always, is involved. Both of our running backs, Henry and Murray, both had really good games. Both got involved. Taylor had a couple nice plays. Like we, we did a really good job of moving the ball around this week, I thought, and getting uh, the ball out to different people. You know, there's a lot of weapons on this offense, a lot of mouths to feed. And I guess it does help, you know, when you have – one of those weapons not playing, uh, you know, going to quit Corey Davis out. But we did a good job moving the ball around and, and getting it out to our weapons in this game. And the last thing I was going to say is uh, better coverage. And I thought, you know, we're obviously we're playing against uh, a really bad offensive line, um, you know, with a team that doesn't have a ton of weapons. So we knew that we, we were going to play pretty well. But there was a lot of those, like, 50-50 balls that I thought we played very good against. I saw um, Sims make a couple plays. I saw Dory Jackson make quite a few plays in this game. He really impressed me. Logan Ryan uh, made a quite a few plays in this game as well. And, you know, he impressed me. We did a lot of good, very good job of shutting down those 50-50 balls when they were coming in. And, you know, 
we did get a lot of help, I will say that, because uh, Russell Wilson threw a lot of put a lot of air under some of those passes because of the pass rush, but we did a good job of getting a hand in there this week. Tory Jackson on special teams, man. They called Ty Smith on that block in the back or whatever, and it wasn't him. It was actually Flew Ellen, which was questionable at best also. But, dude, the Dory Jackson and special teams in general, that's a weapon we haven't had in years, and now we have. I'm extremely excited to see what we can do with that. Absolutely, yeah. The fact that you look forward to us returning a ball now instead of just praying that we don't fumble it into the end zone, it's such a huge swing. How you feel about our game whenever we're on the field. Yeah, we do just have yeah. to get everybody else alerted to the fact because it was like Ty Smith. Uh, you know, when they the, even the announcers thought that was the call, and I think misdirected a lot of people uh, because they even said thirty-two. You know, Fluellen's number, but that definitely wasn't. But that one against um, Fluellen, I mean, he put both hands in the middle of his back. You're going to get called for that ninety-nine times out of ninety-nine. Like you can't be doing that. So if we limit these penalties, that's kind of killed Dory Jackson with these big plays. And the punt game so far this season is, you know, we get that stupid penalty that brings it back. And that happens a lot in special teams. It's a difficult play. It's very fast-paced. Um, but we need to, uh, you know, have some, a little bit smarter play on the special team. So Dory Jackson, when he does run it to the house, it stays on the board and is not coming back. That was a critical part of the game where we were only kicking field goals at the time. And, it, you know, the game was not set at that point. And, you know, something like that it was huge. Like... It's like I saw it coming before it happened just because that's what I expect out of the kid. He He's going to get you yards whether it's to the house or not. He's going to get you positive yards on punts, and that's something we haven't seen since Pac-Man Jones, and that was kind of like a tease the way he left town. It's awesome, though, that you feel that excitement because it's like when Mariani, you're like, oh, here comes a fair catch, or you know, here comes 2.2 yards. That's the um, truth, man. But when like as soon as Jackson gets back there, you get like on the edge of your seat, and you're like, oh, shit, here it comes. Yeah, literally, Pac-Man was the only dynamic punt returner we've ever had other than Hadori. I mean, it's long overdue. And you know what? Even just those couple of yards from Mariani, that was still better than fumbling the ball. So we were still looking forward to that, even. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah I, that's true. It, and I did sleep on Mariani's uh, rookie year. He did, obviously, have a few returns then. But, I mean, it, that was a long time ago. I, I actually, you know, th- His last visit, he was a shadow of himself. So that really didn't matter in that part of it. All right, guys, but there were, even though we had a big win and a very nice win here, there were some negatives to take away from it. So what negatives did you take away from this game? We still uh, struggled to cover over the middle of the field. Uh, there were a lot of passes that were, receivers were open. We were just doing a good job with our pressure up front, which is, was the goal, was to put enough pressure on Russell Wilson, as slippery as he is, just to give the defense time to recover whenever they get beat. So we still have things to fix back there, but... We're going to be okay. The stupid penalties, they cost us two touchdowns. It could have been an, you know, an absolute blowout. You know, we, we could have had some uh, Matt Castle in there in the fourth quarter if we hadn't had those penalties that cost us touchdowns. Uh, I did have one other positive, actually. LaShawn Sims, he's really finding himself as a red zone defender. You know, he, he doesn't have great speed, but in the red zone where his speed doesn't matter as much, he's doing a really good job of just getting into passing lanes and being in the way of people catching the ball down there. I agree. I think penalties was the biggest negative that, that we can take away from this. It's really hard to judge because, I mean, you look at the stats Russell Wilson put up. I mean, he had 375 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Baldwin had 10 catches for a 105. He spread the ball out, but, you know, when – 
the score was 33-27, and you know, we were up by 13 for most of that. I believe they scored right inside the two-minute mark to make it a six-point game. So the stats are a little bit padded from that aspect. But if that's how we're going to play, if opposing teams are going to put up big numbers against us in the fourth quarter because they're coming from behind with, from multiple touchdowns, that's all right with me. You talked about suck up being you know such a reliable kicker in this game. Yes, you're right, four for four. However, those are definitely times where we need to cash those in. We can't settle for those field goals because there was a time when it was nine, nine to seven, and we're just kicking field goals. I did not feel comfortable. And to take away from that aspect of Russell Wilson throwing all over the place, Doug Baldwin making 10 catches, our corners played a decent game, but at no point did I feel like we had the upper hand in that matchup. I felt like their receivers were still a constant threat while we were on the field. And I didn't feel that way about their running backs. I felt like we handled them pretty well. Right. And I agree with you on that, on the drive. Yeah. We need to cap off drives. That's my first one is that it's another slow start. And you know, this one's a little bit, you, you figured it was going to be, you know, you're going up against a pretty good defense. The running back started slow, but then we did see when, you know, another like kind of a positive negative that turns into a positive is we saw them mix it up. We saw a wildcat. We saw them go to the read option more. We saw two back sets. Robisky did a good job of mixing things up to get the running game going. I thought he did a very good job of that this week. We really criticize him a lot for the play calling, but I thought that was a very good move he made. And you saw those kind of plays really start to open up the defense to the run. And Marcus... Uh, he, Marcus did this last week too where he starts off throwing balls really high you, you can tell he's just not in his rhythm and then something clicks and then Marcus is just you know Marcus we know what we know and love that he just gets on I, I wish he would just start getting in rhythm a little earlier in the game he, he struggled throwing a, ball, a lot of high balls in this one at first and then like I said got in his rhythm and went off with it in tight games that might be a difference maker so we need to be able to, to start a little bit faster. I'd like to see us you know, put up more points in the first and second and not just dominate the third quarter, which is what we've done the last two weeks. But you know, score in the first half, put up points, and take advantage of a great running game and let us run away. The other thing, too, is once we did get up, we went to the prevent defense very early. And the first drive um, that they had against us, about the five-minute mark, we started playing prevent defense. The first job we had against them I thought was pretty good because we were letting them get checkdowns, but we were tackling very well. They took a lot of time off the clock. Um, I thought we did a good job of that. But then we, they get the ball back, and they start going again, and we're giving up big plays. They move down the field very quickly. That you know, we're, I understand the idea. You we don't need to play physical defense an entire game when you're leading big. Obviously, you don't want to get guys injured, take a little bit off their plate, but you need to come up and make the play. You know, if they get that onside kick, and I know the odds are, you know, drastically in our favor when they are kicking the onside kick, but if they got that, I mean, they had enough time to work with a little bit where it could be nail-biter at the end, and that's not what you want. I would like to see us, we, we did it a little early too in the Jags game, but we had a huge lead in that game. I'd like to see us play that, you know, our, stay with our style of defense a little bit longer before we go to, you know, full prevent. I hate the prevent defense. The only thing it does is prevent you from winning. I agree. That's always been the saying. It gives people a chance to do the Blake Bortles thing and put a bunch of garbage time points up. I get why you, know, why you go into more of a prevent, but if the other team isn't spreading it out and going you know, guns blazing with like a run-and-shoot approach, 
going to a full dime quarters prevent defense doesn't make any sense to me. I would keep the pressure on the quarterback. He's going to be pressing more. He's going to be more likely to make mistakes, not less likely. Keep keep uh, coming after the quarterback. Keep pressure on him. See if maybe you can get a fumble or something else and make it that much worse for them. Right, I agree. Keep the pressure up. Keep playing your style of defense. You're winning this football game for a reason. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm not a fan of the prevent defense. We went to it pretty early. At the five-minute mark, I started noticing us playing back, rushing three, and I was like, oh, my God, there's a lot of time left. Um, But we did do a good job of forcing them still into check downs and and coming up and making tackles, which is something that we haven't done lately. Um, And that drive took a long time for them to get down the field and get into the end zone. But... Uh, you know, I'd rather see us play our brand of defense, shut them down, get a punt, you know, or, you know, like you said, get a turnover. Just one negative I took away is this, you know, we're a little too early to to go into that prevent. Overall, guys, you'd have to say a very good game for us. Like we said, 33-27 to 27 victory puts us up at 2-1. and one. We're setting technically tied in the division with uh, Jacksonville, but obviously we have the tiebreaker over them with the win last week. Now we move ahead to take on another division opponent, and that's when we head to Houston to take on the Texans. This is going to be an interesting game, but let's break it down here. Our offense versus their defense, and I'm going to start here with the passing game. In the passing game, big thing, something I just talked about, Marcus needs to start off early. Not a lot of throwing over guys. You know, Get into your rhythm. Get your, just relax. Get, your, get into your game. And, and start hitting guys early. You want to put up a lead early. You want to get you know into that point where they have to throw to keep up, because you know like we were just talking about earlier when we talked about the Houston game, we have a better defense. They're not going to be able to make consistent plays with a rookie quarterback against us. So we want that early lead. So definitely, Marcus needs to come in. Needs to be relaxed. And just like we did this week, mix it around. You know, throw to you know get Decker involved, get Matthews involved. If Davis is back, get him involved. Get Jonu, get Walker, get all of these guys um, involved, and get it out to all of your weapons early. They can't cover everybody. That's just the fact. There's no defense in the NFL right now that can come out and just cover all the weapons that we have. That's why you get so many of those guys. You know, when you throw them all, you know, in different areas and stuff, you're always going to end up with a matchup that you that's going to be beneficial. So start working that. And we did a good job of that this week. Just do it started a little bit earlier, I think. We started to really zone in on Decker early in that game, I noticed. And then started to open it up to everybody, and we had a lot more success. So mix the ball around. Uh, get Marcus out early. And really, I think the best way to do this is start off with a short passing game. You know, start off just chipping away, getting comfortable. Get Marcus comfortable. Mix the ball around. Find matchups. And you don't never know. A guy might break one here or there, uh, but just get it out to some playmakers on some short routes, get the comfort level up, then start taking shots and getting Marcus, you know, when Marcus gets comfortable, start taking those shots that we know that Marcus can make. So that's what I would say we need to do this week. Looking at their defense, they're not as good in the secondary as they were last year. The pass rush is obviously still going to be a problem, so our offensive line needs to pick those guys up, do a good job against that. But there are holes to find in this Houston defense. We've seen it so far this year. They have allowed a lot of points on defense and a lot of yards through the air and passing touchdowns. So we need to define those holes and take advantage of them. I don't think it'll be a big problem for us to do it this week. Their secondary, as I said, not nearly as good as it was last year. Marcus is going to be able to make plays. Uh, But Matt, what do we have to look for in the running game? Biggest thing is is definitely, you know, 
we ask for this, I think, every week, and I don't think we're ever really going to get it, and I'm not quite sure why. Why not start Derrick Henry out, get him in the game? You know, if you're worried about ego or whatever the case may be, and I don't think DeMarco Murray is that kind of player, but let him start the game, give him the first series, but get Derrick Henry in there early and bruise these guys up. Now, obviously, we're playing a very good front seven I've actually noticed that teams have more success when running straight at J.J. Watt as opposed to trying to duck him and, and run away uh, towards Jadavion Clowney, which, in my opinion, is definitely the guy that we need to look out for uh, mostly. But I, I think if we get a, a Derrick Henry in early, get him going, because he's, he's not exactly a, a quick start either. It takes him a few runs for him to get warmed up. And we got to get these guys going early and – if we can bruise that front seven up with Derrick Henry and just slide DeMarco Murray in there, everything will open up. I say that every week, but it's it's what we need to do. And why we haven't gone that route, I'm not quite sure. That's what I want to see first and foremost. We keep saying that every week, and they keep running it, running the ball with Murray and just kind of slowly building. And I think that's just going to be the formula we're going to have this year, is we're just going to keep wearing teams out through the first half and then – once we've got them tired, blow them up in the second half. That's probably just how it's going to be, and it's going to it's going to cost us a game somewhere, uh, just because we're not going to be able to rev it up in the second half any better than they are. And so, at some point in time, we're going to wear out. So, I would say the X factor in this game is what Matt just said: Can we run the ball at JJ Watt effectively enough to take him out of his pass rush? If he gets used to getting hammered. In the running game, J.J. Watt becomes a lot less effective as a pass rusher. Jadavian Clowney is still going to be dangerous. He's still going to be over there causing problems. But if we can go, if we can run the ball at J.J., we can put him on his heels. He can be digging in to defend the run instead of the pass and just take that aspect away from them. And if we do that and you just, you know, you can chip off of uh, Clowney, and easier guy to knock out of his pass rush. So I think the X factor in this one is, attacking J.J. Watt so that we can establish a running game, so that we can get our quick passing game going, so that the Texans never really get off on their pass rush. I don't know if you guys know this or not. This will be the first time that Marcus Mariota faces J.J. Watt. You say that, but Watt may end up slipping in the shower this week. (laughs) (laughs) He may get shanked. (laughs) He may be bleeding out behind a dumpster somewhere because Glenn wanted a roster spot. (laughs) Watch something like sketchy happen, and they're like interviewing Glenn. Like the police knock on the door at Old Lotzenizer's house. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, uh, we got to talk to you about this because uh, JJ did get stabbed in the kidneys twice. <laughs> Moving on to the other side of the ball, when the the defense, where when we are on the defensive side of the ball, their offense. First thing that uh, really comes out to me is the pass rush. When we come after them in the pass rush, I'm obviously you want to put pressure on the young quarterback, force some of the mistakes, but this guy is really athletic, and he moves very well on the run. you got to bring that pressure, but do not let him get outside of the pocket. You know, you need to bring that pressure forward. I wouldn't be surprised to see Dick LeBeau use a lot of spies this week, try to knock out the running game, because we've seen Watson use it with a lot of success and through the first couple weeks here that he's been playing. So definitely something we need to watch out for is get pressure on him. Do not let him get out of the pocket, though, uh, and scramble where he can really hurt us. As far as you know, their wide receivers go, they have some talent at the wide receiver position. Obviously, New Hopkins, New Hopkins is there, very talented wide receiver. I'm interested to see exactly what we're going to do with him this week. 
Um, the one bonus for us is they do have a rookie quarterback starting, so we need to really focus on the pass rush this week, get to him, make him make mistakes, force him into bad passes, and then just have good coverage downfield, you know, sticking to guys. They have, um, you know, some guys that can still make plays against us, so stick to their guys. I expect to see a lot of man coverage, to be honest. Hopkins is a really good wide receiver. Outside of that, they're, they're lacking some talent, so you need to get after him. Uh, and see a lot of double team on him. Get after uh, the quarterback. Make him feel uncomfortable. Get after him. Get sacks, but do not let him outside of the pocket. That's the big thing. Is that's where Watson becomes dangerous. Is when he gets outside of the pocket, has time to not only extend plays, but also he can get those yards with his legs. So definitely one thing to watch out for. To add on to that quickly, I'll definitely say as far as the pass game goes, if we don't have a tight blanket on New Hopkins and their tight end, Ryan Griffin, that's where we're going to fail because I think that's where Deshaun Watson is going to look more often than not. But as far as the run game goes, I'll go back to Deshaun Watson. I think he's our biggest threat. I think that Lamar Miller can be contained. I don't see him being a big problem. Deontay Foreman hasn't impressed me very much. Our linebackers are up for the task. I think that if we can just continue to get the pressure we've been getting on their offensive line that is not very good, uh, we should be able to definitely control their run game, but it's Deshaun Watson, man. You got to watch him from from scrambling around, and he does make plays. You're going to have to be able to account for him at all times. Yeah, and the X factor for this side, you know, when we're playing defense, is going to be patience and discipline. You're going to have to accept that you're not going to get to Deshaun Watson every play. He moves around too much and too well for that. So what you have to do is be disciplined in your gap control prevent Miller from going off on the run. If Miller starts getting runs against us, then Watkins is that much more dangerous. You know, you're going to have a hard time containing Deshaun if you're looking at the holes for Miller coming up through the middle. It's just it's going to lead to play action problems and everything else. So, shut down the run, the front 70s to stay disciplined in their gaps and then just edge control. If you if they can keep Deshaun in the pocket or even just you know, keep him from getting upfield when he scrambles. That takes away a lot of what he does. So without having to sack him, you can try to force him to make mistakes throwing the ball. You can definitely keep him from coming up through the middle of the uh, offensive line and just ripping off first downs on you. So discipline and patience from the front seven force Watkins to win the game. But also, this might be the best matchup Logan Ryan's going to see is because Hopkins isn't all that fast, so this is finally a guy that he can run with. Uh, you, you could always end up putting Jackson on him, and there's no way Hopkins can run away from him. But Hopkins is a great guy at going up and getting the ball, and Logan Ryan has struggled with speed guys, even moderately fast guys running past him and getting him into trouble. So this might be his best chance as a uh, one-on-one de- uh, defender. All right, gentlemen, last week we were all very low on our score predictions for a a pretty high-scoring football game. So what is your predictions for this week against this Texans team? For me, I think it's going to be probably a a decently high-scoring game. I think that they are going to be able to put up maybe in the teens somewhere. But for a final prediction, I'm going to say 34-13. to I'm saying 27-17. to I'm going to say 30-13. to Hopefully our Titans go out and get it done. Um, before we get out of here this week, Glenn is going to bring us our crackhead of the week. 
All right. You've asked for it. We're doing it. Crackhead of the week. I'm not going to name a specific person because I'm not giving fame to idiots. But let's just say every one of you motherfuckers who wanted the Titans to leave DeMarco Murray on the bench or trade him so that we could get him 100% healthy while Derrick Henry gets all the carries, that's never going to happen. No one is 100% during the football season, so that's not going to happen. They're not going to trade him away right now. And as Murray ran into the end zone, did you hear him shouting at you? Did he say, how do you like me now, Grasshopper? Because DeMarco <laughs> Murray is the fucking man. Still, deal with it. All right, that was your Crackhead of the Week. Uh, that's all the show we have, though. We're going to get out of here. Remember to check out our Twitter page, at TTU Podcast. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Uh, check out the Tennessee Titans Uncensored Facebook fan page. Check me, Matt, and Glenn uh, out on Twitter as well. I'm at the Ryan Moreland. Uh, Matt is at Matt Nacrone, correct? Um, Good for you, man. And then Matt Glenn is at the number two tone Hollywood, right? Or two? That's it. That's it. All right, perfect. Too fucking complicated. All right. <laughs> hey, I didn't expect anybody to ever actually get on there and look it up. All right, so definitely check us out on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. We'll be back next Wednesday as well after we hopefully spank the shit out of this sorry-ass Texans team. Tighten up. Play to kill. Fuck you, Deshaun. Uh-huh. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook. <laughs>